Hello and welcome wherever you are in the world and whatever you are doing. Matthew Grant here, but not for long. You're getting a break from me this week and Robin Mertens is your host for this episode talking to Frank Birkin, CEO and founder of Inari. Now, we've been watching Inari closely since they entered the Lloyd's Lab back in 2020 and I interviewed Frank then for episode 85. For this episode, Robin finds out what Anari has been up to in the last two years, building out its technology, providing greater connectivity and usability for insurers. Now, we're delighted to have Anari as one of our 170 corporate members. And if you work for an insurance company and you don't already know about us, but want to understand the themes and innovation in technology, analytics and data being used by leading insurers today, then please get in touch. Or you may already be one of the 50 insurers, brokers and MGAs we are working with today. You can find out from the member section on the website www.instec.co. Or if you are building solutions around data and analytics and want to share what you're doing with insurers around the world, then you may also be interested in our corporate membership. Contact me for any of the above, Matthew Grant or any of us by email, hello at instec.co or via LinkedIn. And finally, it's you as our listener that really makes this all worthwhile. And it's always a delight when people tell us they found the podcast useful. So if you get the chance, please do let us know what you think by LinkedIn or email is fine. And of course, share us with others. Okay, that's enough from me. Over to Robin and Frank. Hello, Frank. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Welcome to the uh, Instech podcast. I can see you're in Barcelona today. What's the weather like down there now? Miserable with lots of really wild thunderstorms and now we've gone back to our, our regular programming of clear blue skies sunshine and and a little bit of above average, average temperature you're co-founded inari back in 2017 i'm going to give you my description uh, of inari for you to to critique um, but it provides a modern core technology infrastructure for insurers reinsurers managing agents and, and lloyd syndicates and it's designed to make them more efficient, improve data insights, and stream connectivity across multiple systems. And it's fully managed, it's end-to-end, you deal with all types of insurance and reinsurance, and you can implement it as a standalone solution or um, a modular solution, and you can integrate it easily into other technologies. I think that's, it sounds like it does a lot. Would be a, that be a fair description? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, I mean, the way I look at these things these days is... Um, we used to talk about them as admin systems and they were uh, responsible for doing tasks whereas now I think people like you set about building them to make the life of the administrator more efficient uh, in a much broader sense was that, was that, is that, am I getting the right direction? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's absolutely right yeah. it's a solution that's born out of, uh, of a lot of experience in the insurance market so, so both m- myself and, and, and my co-founders we all come from, from the insurance world and reinsurance world. When you were designing this, what was it that you were trying to fix? In other words, you, you knew what the technology that you'd use in your earlier insurance company could do, and you must have decided that you could build something fundamentally better. What was going to be fundamentally better? The first starting point is where, where are we today? Right, and, and what do those tools allow people to do? So, so back back in those days, you'd see basically systems that are systems of record, um, not really interconnected. Uh, so, you know, you have all this knowledge in the form of data in, in the organisation. It just really doesn't speak or inform each other. Um, 
and you have people doing the work of machines, lots of keying in and, and you know, manual processes. Um, and so what we looked out is, is basically on, on, on three key aspects, right? So, so how do we do the heavy lifting for people, right? So if a particular task, you know, some sort of pre-bind activity takes two or three days or, or five hours, how can we, through, the, through a lot of these technologies that are now commoditized, how can we make that process of five minutes or five seconds, right? The next thing that we wanted to solve is, you know, you started to have the uh, data becoming ubiquitous, at least the access to data. And then a lot of other amazing insurtechs, right? And so, you know, we sort of sit in the middle um, as a core platform. How do we interconnect? How do we exchange process and, and data in a meaningful, uh, frictionless and very organic way with all these other participants? So how can we take the, the, how do we commoditize the power of ecosystem, which is usually very difficult in an organization. It's expensive, risky and, and a lot of friction. Um, and the last bit is, is that actually how do we manage data, right? So, you know, um, in your typical systems of record, what you end up having is what I'd call a, a data lasagna, right? um, when, you know, things happen in insurance and, uh, and that data gets captured, but really you can't really go back and see what happens. And, uh, and it's, it's very, very mutable and, and it doesn't really match the, you know, sort of the, the shape of data when you manage risk. So, so the third bit was the immutability of data, I guess, which is the third key piece. Now, every time I've heard the word immutability of data, I've heard it in the context of distributed ledger technology. So I'm going to talk quickly about that because um, I know you've got this distributed ledger technology in the in the mix, and um, I sort of feel uh, that it was uh, much hyped uh, five years ago, and that people have stopped talking about it. But but it has a role to play. I mean, what's 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 your feeling? Do you feel that? Um, your technology decisions five years ago have now been vindicated by the fact that the hype is over and, and the reality of DLT has started to manifest itself. So back in the day, blockchain was the hammer. And you know, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? And so you're trying to solve problems technology first. I think where we came from is, um, you know, how do, we, how do we treat that information as event-based and every event is immutable? And what is the technology that's best going to serve us in this sort of quest, if you will? And then how do we make that natively secure, cryptographically secure and, uh, and, and, uh, and interconnected? And I think that's where DLT came into play. It's served us extremely well for the last five years and we continue using it and we're, we're continue to, to, to improve on its functionality and I think it's uh, worked very well for us. So how are things going? Give us some idea of scale. How many customers have you got? How many people these days? Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're growing nicely, but, but, but share some of the metrics. So right now, I think the f- first thing I talk about is one of the most important, or the most important asset of Inari, which is the team. And so we, um, from very humble beginnings uh, of eight people uh, in 2017, um, we are now, as of today, uh, I'd gladly say we're now about 42 people. Um, We've grown, I think the last time we spoke in, in a po- podcast in the old days, pre-pandemic, I think we were about 14 people back then. So in the last couple of years, we've, we've uh, grown quite significantly. Um, also, back in the podcast days, I think we were about two clients back then. So now, now we're about uh, we're eight clients currently. Especially when you're operating in the core space, these are large projects and it doesn't matter how efficient uh, you are deploying these, these are large processes. 
so core technology, the, the, the sales cycle is sort of like having a kid, right? It's, it's nine months. It's a, it's a very long cycle. So we're, we're very happy with that, with that growth, uh, in that aspect. And then the growth and maturity, the sort of the three different products within sort of insurance, MGA, border management and reinsurance are, are, are taken. So, so we're very happy with, with that progress. I think there are some people in the insure tech world who would gladly take nine months. Uh, <laughs> you hear horror stories of a lot longer than that. Um, tell me about the clients. The, um, where are they based, and, and sort of what's the mix between um, insurers and MGAs and so on? We have uh, clients. Obviously, London market is extraordinarily important for us. Bermuda, the United States, continental Europe, uh, and now our, our last couple of uh, projects are now in Singapore and Hong Kong. So we're very happy to be solving problems and providing innovation both in the insurance and reinsurance spaces worldwide. Hi, I'm Jack. Our next event is your change program delivering value or just change. It's happening on Wednesday the 12th of October at 5.30pm. Alongside Cognizant, we'll look at examples of successful change projects and seek to identify the key attributes of their success. The insurance perspective will be provided by Canopius and Howden, with more speakers being announced shortly. We'll also hear from the Football Association about the programme that resulted in the success of the Lionesses this summer. You can register now on the Instet website. What lies ahead, certainly from a, from a technology point of view, uh, are you going to expand the product set? What, you got, what are your plans? One of the good things about the product is we've been very fortunate to, to build it with philosophies of clean architecture. And so that means, you know, when, uh, let's say tomorrow distributed ledger, there's something much better. It's very easy for us to decouple that and put something else in. And so from a technology perspective, looking more towards uh, enhancing machine learning and AI uh, uh, functionalities for things where it really makes sense, um, continuing down uh, some types of data management techniques and algorithms that, you know, just growing that piece out. I think the uh, the second priority from us is, is uh, we already started, which is scaling up. And so, and so again, now we're starting to have a size that we really want to grow uh, in customer base, in team and just become a much more mature organization. Work to do on the technology, growing fast, you'll need more people. Um, it sounds to me like you might need more money. Where are you on the, where are you on the funding side of things? Are you having to go out and get some external funding soon? Yes, that's sort of a third pillar for us. So we've, we've been uh, self-funded um, since the beginning, right? and, um, which I think has served us very well to be able to go and execute on our plans so far. I think now to support that scale up, um, you know, we will be looking at opening funding rounds uh, or early funding rounds soon. Money is fungible, and you know, you, uh, one can be very good at spending money very, very quickly. And so, what we actually look at from a, an ethos standpoint, from a, a worldview standpoint, of uh, from a, a standpoint of how to approach and deliver value to our clients, yeah, it's very important to us to, to see if we can we can work well with our with our partners and their on board. As I we usually joke, the only marriage you can't break is the cap table. <laughs> so, yeah. very, very, very careful there when we when when we bring people on board because we you know. We are a, com- a company of, uh, of sharing and collaboration. We believe that, that potential partnership should uh, work in that way as well. I found out that at some point in your past, you used to be a semi-professional gamer. And I've even heard stories of you, you know, being put on aeroplanes and jetting to the far side of the world to take part in, in competitions. Tell me about that, because I'm not sure we've had professional gamers on the podcast before. Many people of, of my generation, we sort of grew up in the in the video game era. Um, 
and uh, you know there was a turning point at one point you could actually you know if you're really good at these video games instead of sort of being a, a time sink it was actually something that was competition and and people winning to actually fly you out to be on streams and, and, and so forth. So it was a, a very fun point in my life. Now I'm responsible. I still game, uh, but not not at that at that level. But it was it was fun. It was it was a great experience to you know to practice and, and try and be good at something and, and and go out and compete and also entertain. So it was a very fun point in my life. We're all in some way the sum of our experience. Um, slightly strange question this but, but do you think gaming may make you a better entrepreneur makes you a better CEO from that gaming perspective what, what do you learn there you, you learn uh, problem solving pretty much on the fly you learn teamwork you learn getting through adversity you learn working with um, people that may not be the same as you like when, when you're on that team I think you can put this to any sport it could be gaming football rugby cricket not everybody's friends, but there's a common goal. And so you need to learn those skills to work well with everybody, get the best out of everybody, and, and then be very execution-focused and, and, and goal-driven. So these are, these are things that, for me, um, you know, mileage may vary, but uh, for me, they've, they've been very useful skills then when being the CEO of the company, because it is about people. So it's about getting people to, to be the best version of themselves. And we're going to continue down this rich vein of a CV that you've got for me to mine. Because you've also been techno DJ, and I'm trying to, you know, explore what what makes you uh, good at what you do. So, when did you get into being a DJ? I really like the, the socialising aspect of, of meeting people, speaking to people, finding out how people tick. I, I also really like music. But I have um, at least for playing and composing, not a lot of talent. Uh, but then the DJ piece came along, and it was a, a really interesting sort of artistic outlet. And then as you get better, you can actually start playing in front of people. And it was fascinating to be able to acquire the skills, not only sort of the technical and artistic skills to, to run a set, but just reading people, reading the room, um, getting the temperature, if you will. And then, you, you know, um, um, you know um, entertaining the, these people for some time. So uh, I was very lucky. I never intended to, to, to be a career. It was sort of like a, a creative outlet, if you will. Um, I got to play a couple of times, you know, venues, 2,000 people, 3,000, 7,000, I think was the biggest one, uh, usually here in, in, in Spain and then on the radio in some other countries as well. Um, so I, I still do it, but by no means, you know, I don't have the time to, to now be a professional. So, um, next week is the Inari fifth birthday. We're all taking everybody out for two days to a big townhouse out in the woods. Um, and so I, that will be my, uh, that'll be my gig for this year. Uh, in front of all the staff, which I think they're very excited about. Well, I'm going to get some feedback uh, on that. Um, I can see that if you're a, a t- electro techno enthusiast, you might you might like like it. But you know, I'd be aching for a bit of Bee Gees in there somewhere, and uh, <laughs> I'd be I'd be worried. I'd be worried for the older generation if you've got any there. Um, oh, Frank, look, it's been a genuine uh, pleasure. I'm not sure we've had. Uh, anyone on the podcast uh, before who's enabled us to range from football to uh, entrepreneurial capabilities to gaming uh, and, and, and DJing. Um, but if you're still doing it, uh, would you mind? Uh, can we, you know, can we book you? Instech party. Uh, it's a couple of years before our 10th anniversary comes up. But you know, will, it, you, will the decks travel? And are we, 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 we'll. we'll book a big venue in London and by then we'll have you know we're having 2,000 members at all our events so 
you know, are you the right man? I'm absolutely uh, delighted to, to, to do that. Thank oh, well, you. thank you. It's been great having you, and good luck with all those various things. Now your amateur passions, uh, and we wish you the best of luck with Inari too. Well, thank you so much for having us on the podcast, and, uh, and have a great one. Well, a final word for me before we go. We're busy with live events and reports towards the end of this year. Close to 200 people now for our evening events and room for a few more. Details of the events are on the website www.instec.co and you can also get them in our newsletter. You can subscribe top right on the website. Or if you're traveling to London from outside the UK, then please do let us know. Hello at instec.co. We'll definitely give you a free ticket to attend one of the events. And of course, everyone can get their 60 seconds of fame on stage with our open mic session. Give it a go. Okay, that's it. We're done. <laughs>